Welcome back to Vitamin F Podcast. I am so excited because today I am sitting down with Miran Crosby, founders and CEOs and sisters, Lizzie DePlantis and Sarah Means. If you don't already know, Miran Crosby is a luxury cowboy boot brand with storefronts in both Highland Park Village in Dallas, Texas, and with a second location in Aspen, Colorado. Mira Crosby approaches the boot industry as a fashion brand first with an incredible array of leathers, exotic skins, and intricate stitching. Lizzie and Sarah, to start off, let's go back to the very beginning. Tell us where you grew up and what kind of inspired you to start Mira and Crosby. Sure. Well, and first of all, Catherine, thank you for having us on. I'm awfully excited for you and your new venture. And we're we're honored to be a part of it. Um, so and also you did such a good job on that introduction. You on the intro. Some work. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Thanks. So Sarah and I clearly are sisters. I'm yeah. the older sister by about eight years, but we grew up on our family's cattle ranch in West Texas outside of Marfa. So we are cowgirls at heart and cowboy boots have always been very much a part of our aesthetic, our love, and just kind of like a staple in our wardrobe. Yeah. Um, our cousins own Rios of Mercedes, which is our family's factory in South Texas, where currently our boots are being produced by hand. And because of our relationship with them and the closest of our families, they've always kind of agreed to let Sarah and me play with fun fabrications and styles and different designs and cowboy boots. And so Sarah and I kind of grew up designing cowboy boots and um, yeah. also being gifted them by family members, dads, mom, or dad, mom, and um, cousins, that kind of thing for special milestones in our life. So not only were they kind of a part of our wardrobe, but also kind of milestone our life in a really special way. And I think the cowboy boot, unlike other shoes or even articles of clothing, maybe with the exception of being jewelry, can really kind of like, or something that you keep and pass down and Definitely. Um, can be really sentimental in that way and kind of is evocative of um, kind of a romance that is interesting. So yeah, um, that's kind of like our, I guess, our background. I don't know if Lizzie mentioned, but we grew up on our family's working cattle ranch too. Yeah. So cowboy boots were always such a part of our lives and something that was really important to us both you know, as an expression of style, but also, you know, for their utility. Yeah. Incredible that they were both, you know, a part of your background, but also, like you said, they were gifted and kind of remind you of family and just something that's been a part of your life for forever. I read that you both were in New York City for a time. And was this kind of where you guys got the idea? Where did it really start the idea forming? You know, I both collected kind of custom boots, as she mentioned. And we really would wear them just again, because we're ranch kids and it just never really occurred to us not to throw them on with, you know, whatever we were wearing. Yeah. So both of us moved to New York City after college. Lizzie was in finance and I worked in fashion and both of us, we truly wear our cowboy boots mostly to work, but of course around the city to brunch and to shop and hang and go to museums and do all the things that are so special about New York City. But we would get stopped all the time. Really? Where they felt like they could you know, could get boots that are similar to what we had on. And because we had such access to custom boots, we always felt like, particularly maybe for women, we didn't exactly know where to send them. Texans get custom boots, right? We have access yeah. to that. We've heard of that. That's, you know, kind of on our radar, but it's so foreign to so many people that maybe aren't in the region. And we were always really taken aback too by the demographic of people that would ask them about us, you know, age, old, older, younger, super chic, kind of more casual. Yeah. Uh, Uptown, downtown, wherever we were really men, women, age, yeah, yeah, yeah. had an interest in the silhouette, and we just felt like again, 
we would answer and say, gosh, these are custom. And I'm sorry, I really don't really know where you can kind of get a pair, but you know, here's where ours are from or whatever. And we would always talk about how they would lament together that there really was kind of a hole in the market. We didn't feel like there was a designer or a store to whom to point them. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really cool that you that people on the street kind of saw y'all's cowboy boots and pointed them out. I went to Fashion Week last year and I wore cowboy boots and I think that they're more on trend now. So people weren't giving me as weird of looks, but you know, some people loved them and some people were a little questionable and knew I was from the south, but I did have a few come up to me and say, "You know, where are those from?" So I can I can relate to what you guys are saying. It's not something that I think a lot of city people you know, we're used to seeing and you guys really broke those boundaries and brought those boots into the fashion industry and which really was viewed as more of like a male dominated industry. And I feel like a lot of cowboy boots are maybe made for females, but made by males. And I think it's really special that you both are obviously amazing entrepreneurial women and are viewing it from a completely different standpoint. Well, Sarah, so you're hitting the nail on the head. Like yeah. it just felt like why was it that like Western was fighting fashion and fashion fighting Western when it's like such a cool silhouette and should be, oh embraced, my God, you yeah. know, and you're right. Like it was a male dominant industry. And so guys and, you know, like love to paint something pink and then put rhinestones on them and think that like women, that's like, perfect, <laughs> exactly. you know? um, so no, that, that's kind of what we set out to do. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so Sarah, I know that you mentioned that you worked in fashion. Where did you work while in New York city and Lizzie, where did you work in finance? I worked in wholesale sales at Leffler Randall, which is in contemporary shoe and handbag department. It was a really, really cool time. I, I sat while I was in sales. And so I was in market and appointments and all of that most of the year. I sat by the production team and I was always just fascinated by what they were doing. And uh, kind of that's sort of what whet my appetite for kind of what I do now. Yeah. And then Lizzie can tell you about her gig. So I was in finance in New York. I worked at Goldman Sachs. I was allocated to their... Wow. Very different from the fashion industry. Very different. And and then I went from there to Tiger Global, which is a hedge fund. Yeah. So I've like made a total departure from from finance. Well, Sarah, I know you, you mentioned your previous place of work. Like starting out in the fashion industry can be super scary. And obviously Goldman's too. Both are uh, very different, but can both be really scary industries to walk into kind of not having connections or anything like that. What was that like? Were y'all both confident in that? Or were you scared just coming out of college? What was that like? Oh, I think any first job is pretty scary in fairness. And I remember calling my mom after my first full day of work and being like, what? I have to do this every day forever? <laughs> I think everybody still feels like that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of still feel that way at 32. But you know, I was so fortunate to to go to work. I think, you know, so much of it is the people that you work with and particularly probably your leadership. And I was super fortunate to go to work. My direct boss was super special and is still an amazing mentor of mine and really took me under her wing and I'm forever grateful for that mentorship. Yeah. So after New York, how did you guys end back up in Texas? What kind of transpired during New York and coming back to Texas? So well, my husband and I knew each other from TCU, um, from college, but we started dating when he moved to New York and I was already living there. He oh, wow. moved up to attend business school. So we got married not long after he showed up in New York and then we're there for some really fun, happy years. As we got more serious about having children, we decided to make a move back to Texas just to be closer to family. Yeah. And and also we wanted like a dog in a backyard and, and maybe like... Yeah, you can't have that, that in were, the city. 
Right, 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 right. And and we loved our jobs. We worked really hard, but we were like ships of the night with really crazy hours. And you know, it's just a different culture, the working yeah. culture in New York. So wanted a little more stability in that aspect. So we moved um, to Dallas and just kind of decide on Dallas. We have extended family here and it's kind of halfway between New Orleans where he's from and the ranch where I'm from and um, have been really happy here. But I think that at the time it was interesting. My my mentor and my old boss at Tiger Global kind of sat me down as I was leaving and he was like, you know, I'd think really seriously about your next move career wise because, you know, in your thirties now and you only have so many kind of like chances to start somewhere and be somewhere. And 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 he was like, I is this what you love? Is this your passion? Is is finance like really kind of like where you want to be? Or have you always like kind of like just enjoyed the team and the, you know, got like we're yeah. like planted where you or bloomed where you planted, but be intentional about this. Like this is a fresh start. Um, I knew I wanted to work even when I had a family. And so I really kind of took that to heart. He kind of told me like, go to Texas and skip some rocks, which I thought was interesting. And looking back, I totally know what he meant. Like, just like really like reflect and think about it and like what it is that I loved and what it is. I think that like kind of my skills and talents are lent towards all this to say that kind of like sparked and began my journey as an entrepreneur. So I moved back to Texas and kind of just like wanting to have some part-time work and wanting to kind of be a little social and that sort of thing. I reached out to the woman who had helped, who was with the design firm who had planned my wedding. We'd become really good friends. And oh, funny wow. that had a bunch of like overlap and friends in New York. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, come help me at work. Like do a few things on the side and you'll be interested in it and that sort of thing. And while I was there, got the idea to start an event decor furniture rental business. Oh, wow. Not at all my passion, not at all that sexy, but it had but like a great, great business margins. to be in. It was a great model. Yes. Yeah. And so I launched Perch Event Decor Rentals, I guess that was 2013 and ran that business for three or four years. I actually see, I sold it. It was a great business and it did really well. And it makes me yeah. proud. Um, they, the person who bought it is like taking it and kind of like taking it to the next level and they're doing a fantastic job. But like, I see the trucks around and it makes me happy. That said, like I used the money when I sold Perch to seed my portion of Miriam Crosby. So but it was a fun conversation to go. Like I made an appointment with my husband's secretary and like went up, uh, he, he like totally threw him off and was like, why are you on my calendar today? And I was like, listen, I'm going to sell Perch because uh, I want to sell cowboy boots and we're going to do it in Highland Park Village. And he was oh, like, wow. oh my gosh, you know, but Anyways, that's kind of my story. Sarah has an interesting, interesting story as well as kind of how she evolved to get here. Sarah, I don't know if you can beat that. Let's see. <laughs> yes, it's much more boring. Um, I was honestly just a homesick Texan. And, you know, Lizzie had moved home, obviously, a couple of years ahead of me, although we did overlap for a bit in the city. And then my brother was getting married kind of on the tail end of my time in New York. So I was flying back and forth kind of to Dallas quite yeah. a bit for parties surrounding that. And I just kind of decided that I was ready to move home pretty quickly. And so I came home and studied for the LSAT. And wow, I went to law school and I was in law school when we sat down. And again, Miriam Crosby had always been a pipe dream. We would yeah. go to brunch and talk about it. We'd get our nails done and talk about it. We'd you know, sit by each other on airplanes and talk about what a good idea this was and play, you know, all of our ideas. But it was very much a pipe dream until... Honestly, Lizzie called me one day and said, she's like, I just, you know, I keep thinking about this and I keep kind of flitting it by people. Whoa, whoa, and- you're forgetting the good stuff. I had to come to Dallas. I'm getting there. But, I, you know, I'm, I really keep canvassing people that are so encouraging about this. I think it has legs. Come to Dallas this weekend for my birthday and let's like, let's really talk about it. Like we're yeah. going to get about this. So I came to Dallas to celebrate Lizzie's birthday and we went for a long walk and did all the things and then you know, we're waffling and talking about all of this stuff and decided that we had to have champagne at Bistro 31. And you had to, you have to, to do that on a birthday. 
perhaps more than one glass of champagne, although I'm sure it was just more than one. And um, Troy Aikman walked in and we grew up, you know, we're West Texas kids, right? Yeah. We love and we love the Cowboys. And Troy Aikman walked in. We decided again, after several glasses of champagne, that that was the sign that we had to start it. <laughs> that is a sign. That's a great time to start a business whenever you yeah. see Troy Aikman. Right. <laughs> and they're like, feed your younger sister champagne till she thinks it's a, it's a good idea. As yeah, as I am. exactly. Good job, Lizzie. I love that. Well, I'm Sarah's like, and I'm so grateful for like much more kind of like the cautious, like, let's think through it one. And I'm kind of like the, yeah. oh, like, shoot name later. So anyways, it was, it's a fun story. It always makes me smile. And I still see Troy out and about. It makes me, I feel like he's a good omen whenever I see him. <laughs> the face Hilarious. of Miriam Crosby, Troy Aikman. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, little, uh, little, you know, little just, you know, this is fault. Like in all seriousness, Sarah was like sitting in the library. I mean, we, we launched this business and it was like hit the ground running yeah. and I had, you know, where I had children, I had the flexibility of being able to kind of, you know, add my days to work and that sort of thing. And Sarah was like balancing like a really tough law school um, schedule and like writing orders in the like basement of the library and trying to like take production calls in between like studying for the bar, which she took and passed, I might add. So anyways, it's, she's really impressive in that aspect. Sarah, you are, you're, you're both very impressive, but I do, I mean, like what in the world? So you're, you're studying in the library, but you're also like creating this huge business. I need you to touch on this just a little bit more. No, you're sweet. No, Lizzie's being complimentary, which I appreciate. But, you know, everybody's got a lot on their plates. It's much the same as, you know, I also went home to an empty apartment and could get a bed and get up whenever I wanted to and structure my days. Although I had to study kind of around that. And, you know, a lot of people have two jobs, especially parents. And so we probably had really equal servings on our plates when I think about it. But she's sweet to say all that. Well, you both have incredible backgrounds. And I just, you know, a lot of people have ideas. I mean, I have maybe a hundred a day. And my mom always says that there's a difference between thinkers and doers. How did you both kind of turn your mindset into just kind of thinking about this idea to actually being like, okay, let's do it. I mean, other than Troy Aikman. Okay, we need something different than just Troy Aikman. And I really love that. I love that expression. Because I do think and and not to criticize or, you know, throw shade at anybody, but I do think sometimes it's really, really hard to get started. Yeah. And that my answer to how to do that is honestly, the answer for me has been in partnership. Like I probably would never have gotten it off the ground or finally opened the doors or whatever without the encouragement of Lizzie. And for us, that's very much the reason I think we need each other. You know, we yeah. laugh that she's macro and I'm micro. <laughs> but I think that that symbiotic relationship there has been really important and a lot of partnerships work well. And that's been an important aspect of ours. Lizzie, how would you answer that? I've said this before, but it's so my personality, like to network and to see people's like affirmation and validation. And I think that like in this and probably in any business as you're working to kind of like decide if it's a good idea and get it off the ground. Like if you canvas the people around you that you admire and that you respect and that you, you like would value their feedback, whether or not it's what you want to (laughs) hear. I think like, you know, it was like, it was my close friends who also owned businesses. It was our, it was our parents who were a lot more cautious probably. And there's a difference between cautious and like concern, right? Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, if, there, if there's people who are like, this is my, my major concern with this business idea, it might be different from people being like, is this a lot to take on right now? Or like, how do you see this like evolving and what we were partnership yeah. be like with your sister and things like that? Those are cautious. But I mean, like, and then, you know, even people hilarious that we've like said this on other podcasts, but it's one of my favorite things. I love Mark Cuban. He's like my North Star. I love him. Anything he says. I'd have to agree with y'all. I love Mark Cuban as well. I think he's so fun. 
like I want I do anything like to drink a beer with him. I just think he's and it, but he's so cool and I love his story and I, he's like total grit, right? Like yeah. total grit, which I honestly think is like what you have to have. Anyways, all this to say, I'd like send him emails and he'd like respond. But like I just felt like on and on, people were like I was it was like a green light, green light, green light, like doors open, doors open, doors open, and I think that as you network and kind of get like some momentum behind it and you make one decision turns into the next decision, suddenly you're kind of like, it's kind of becoming a little bit organic. And I think yeah. in a way, like when it's the right decision and when there is like a need for it, and when there is a void in the market, that sort of thing, you'll be validated as, as you develop your idea and as you, as it evolves. I mean, it may not be like what you always kind of started out. It started out looking like so much, yeah. but, but it will take and... like on a life of its own. And yeah. yeah. So I would say like leverage your relationships, leverage everywhere from mentorships to parents to friends, like people who really care about you and, and understand and, and yeah. like seek their feedback. That's wonderful. It often feel like they have to hold a new idea really close to their chest. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And Lizzie always, I would always be like, Lizzie, I can't believe you told people we were thinking about this. And, and I'm so grateful in retrospect for, because she would ask people and get great ideas and, and have, to her point, she really did such a good job of leveraging our network, not just kind of for ideas and feedback and support yeah. really. And it made such a difference when we opened. And so yeah. I think and been an interesting, I think that's like a cool pointer to don't hold it too close. Yeah. I think that's awesome advice. And and like we touched on, the first step is really can be the, it can be the most daunting. Nobody really knows where to start. So some people just kind of jump in and whatever they pick first, that's, that's the first step. So what was y'all's first step in creating Miriam Crosby? I know that you had the idea and you talked about it and you got serious about it, but what was the first thing? Was it calling manufacturers? Was it, you know, sketching yourselves? What was it? The so, infamous email, Sarah. I know. Well, so first we sat down and made a this Word document like to-do list that we called a tracker. Hilarious. I'd love to find <laughs> that thing. It was, a, I guess it was a Google Doc that we shared. Yeah. You know, it was everything from like... Buy get, socks. Yes, literally. It was like, need socks. We'll need a mirror. To, you know, like, need manufacturing. Hilarious. You yeah. guys were really nailing down the details. I love it. I really were. Really were. But then we... So actually, our mom is a really gifted communicator and particularly an amazing writer. Yeah. And we got nervous trying to draft an email to our cousins to ask them if we could come down and pitch this idea to them. And so we, of course, called my mom and made her write it. (laughs) (laughs) It It's so good. It's it's very, not at all, Lizzie, in my voice. Uh, It's very, Uh like, pretty formal. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Pretty funny. It's basically like, we have an idea or an entrepreneurial venture. May we come down and meet (laughs) Uh, but honestly, we did. We sent the email, the infamous email, and then we got on a plane and flew down to South Texas and had an interesting conversation with with our cousins and their super super supportive yeah. and amazing partners. And we we couldn't appreciate them more. But they definitely took a chance on us. And yeah, you know, I think they thought we were a little bit nuts, but they felt beholden enough and probably confident enough in us that they would take a chance. They knew we, you know, would if we told them we would pay them, we'd pay them. But I think they yeah. t- perhaps anticipate that it would be as big as it is. We certainly didn't. So I'm not saying that critically, but the manufacturing was a, a massive step for us, right? It's awfully hard to sell cowboy boots if you don't have cowboy boots to sell. Oh yeah. Well, and in fairness, like we were really lucky in that that was like in our back pocket. Like that's who we wanted to. And honestly, had they said no, this, I don't know that we would have pursued it kind of, yeah. you know, we had such a like a history with them and loved the story and didn't know where else we'd go. So again, that door opened and, yeah. you know, our access to manufacturing and I will say our access to amazing artisanal luxury hand manufacturing is what has put us on the map. And that's, that's a huge part of our brand. Yeah, definitely. It it is a huge part of your brand, but it's also what really puts you guys apart from the rest that's already out there. What was the first inspiration 
for the collection you ever released? Oh, it's interesting. I'm such a big sister to you, Captain. I just like answer all the questions. <laughs> so you, you need to let, you know, serious No, y'all are both but, doing um, great. Y'all are both doing great. So I think first you need to understand. So we socially in New York, Sarah knew this person, Caroline, I'm about to speak about through kind of like her reputation as a really great designer in the fashion world in New York. I knew her socially. Uh, she was really yeah. close friends with one of my dearest friends. So anyways, she was like a go-to person when we started thinking about designs because where Sarah and I had inspiration and could sketch, you know, on the back of napkins, yeah. sketch things yeah. and like have thoughts. And we, neither of us knew how to like pattern or were technically trained and she was. And so same thing, like we made a trip up to New York, asked Caroline to come to coffee. And um, she's about the cutest thing in the world. She's from North Africa and has like the best accent and really cool, like, aesthetic that actually, again, I'm so grateful, like fits Sarah's and mine really well. And she's yeah. like, thinks her West is really romantic. And anyways, we were like, Caroline, we'd love to start off with like kind of our first collection being like an homage to our West Texas roots and the ranch. Yeah. And so it was a lot of like flora and fauna and birds and cactus and that sort of stars that we like were reminded of the starry nights in West Texas and like laying under them. Anyways, yeah. she, we like gave her inspiration and she kind of like worked on sketching them. We made a trip back um, weeks later and she had thoughts like she came to our hotel room, we had this tiny hotel room, you know, whatever we could afford in Soho. And she came in and we spent days like tacking things up on walls. And I, Sarah and I say, I wish we had pictures of this, but and like, you know, taking pens and like making edits. And yeah. we had like a patio. And I hope my mom wasn't like, we'll see this. We go outside and smoke a cigarette, come back in, blah, blah, blah. And figure it all out. But we had Whatever to get the job done. And set yeah. all the inspiration. And <laughs> it was so much fun. And it was like one of those, like, I look back and I'm just like, gosh, it was such a cool start. I remember like going to the Xerox um, or the Kinkas down the street to like, Xer- like you know, use their coffee yeah. machine and like laying, yeah. like it was like freezing outside. We had like fur coats on and we were like laying these huge sketches of cowboy boots like out on the ground. People were like, what in the world? But anyways, so that was kind of the inspiration for our first collection and kind of how it came about. Sarah, do you have anything to say to just kind of the first collection and and things maybe Sarah didn't touch on? Or do you think she covered it? No, she covered it. It was It's a really special collection because it was really close to home for us, quite literally. And it kind of celebrated what we thought of as the best of the West. And it spawned to probably our most capstone boot, which is the Margretta. Yeah, that we're really known for it's kind of the jumping stars and the crescent moons and all of that is, you know, again really prov- evocative of home on yeah. the ranch. West. West Texas is obviously known for its amazing stars, and then our family ranch is the Moon Ranch where we grew up, and it's been in our family for generations. And we brand a crescent moon, so there's a crescent moon on the back of those boots as well. So it's special that that happened to be our bestseller and our most capstone boot because it's also yeah. something that we're emotionally tied to. I'm emotionally tied to them as well. And I don't even have a pair because they're so incredible. And whenever I think of you guys, I do kind of think of those jumping stars and the and the moon and it's the, the shapes are so, I don't know, they're organic and they're fun and they have life in them. So I think that was such a special first collection that that really does have ties to West Texas and y'all's background. When I well, look at your... Like pepper thing. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, no, no. Go, talk, no, go ahead. It was fun to pepper that in too. And like to think, you know, like throughout the process, like Sarah and I were like, oh, we love the idea of the stars, but we want them to be jumping, not shooting. Yeah. So it's like, like, you know, kind of evocative and like suggests like good luck and good fortune and blessings. And like, it, like things like that are kind of like peppered in, especially the, all of our collections, but the Margaretta boot is like, just, yeah. uh, it's just all the, all the things. So thanks for saying that. Of course. And the colors also, not just the shapes, the colors of y'all's boots are so different and they're like really whimsical and 
what is your inspiration behind the colors? Is that also West Texas or how do you stay on trend, but also stay true to your brand? Isn't that the question for any designer? <laughs> no, no, it is. It's a delicate dance. Um, but I think Lizzie and I always come back to, we really try to design and make a boot that we want to wear. Yeah. So what is in our closets that we're excited about? We own and wear almost, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but almost every pair in our collection because we're the same size. And so we can share. So that makes it a little incredible. Less, Perfect. Little that's, less that's, the, that's a good sister right there when y'all are sharing boots and shoes and whatnot. It's nice. No, but I mean that. And, and you know, I think we obviously follow up, you know, obviously always checking out the catwalk, always, you know, we get a yeah. ton of inspiration from travel, art, architecture, photography, textiles. I mean, anything that you can imagine, but we always try to at the end of the day, kind of gut check it and whether or not it's something we're excited to wear and would really yeah. work in our wardrobes is a test for us. So I think that that kind of ends up informing a lot more of the, the collection than perhaps it should. Perhaps it should be, you know, more about the color of the moment. But at the end of the day, that's really where we look. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you touched on the photo shoots and photography and things like that. I get so excited when you guys drop editorial campaign or anything like that, have new photography that comes out. Like, what is the high fashion vision behind that? Like, what is your favorite place? Where is your favorite place to shoot? And is there like one specific place that, you know, you get most of your inspiration for Miriam Crosby? Well, first of all, I will say it takes a village and very little of that can Lizzie and I take any credit for. Our senior director of marketing, Lee, is amazing and so familiar with our brand. We work with an amazing photographer that we have since the very beginning. Kristen Kilpatrick, who we love. I'm obsessed um, with her already. Are, yeah, really good really friends. And our models are amazing. I mean, we've, you know, it's been fun. It's kind of been this tradition and we've worked with the same crew since the beginning. So I think we have, you know, great relationships and there's a lot of kind of symbiotic taste and aesthetic there. We shoot of all of our major campaigns of the model. We shoot at the ranch, which is super special. So we try oh, to, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's at home and it's really on our ranch where we really are inspired by things. And my mom makes sandwiches for us for lunch and we get in a suburban and drive around the ranch and, and shoot uh, with our amazing models. But, you know, kind of the whole impetus behind our brand is like where the fashion, where fashion meets the West, right? Yeah. How do we do that authentically? And so for us, a really high fashion shoot on our ranch kind of is brand DNA. Well, if you guys that are listening have not seen these images, you have to go to y'all's Instagram. They're just so gorgeous. And your photography photographer, Kristen Kilpatrick, does such an incredible job. I saw that you guys have been featured in amazing publications like Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar. What was it like to see your work and your idea that you guys had over some champagne one day featured in those incredible publications? It's super uh, special and you're sweet to say that. Go ahead, Lester. I, I remember really vividly, and Sarah, I think you remember this too, but um, my brother-in-law is wonderful and like has a really tenured career in retail and has been hugely instrumental in kind of helping us navigate something. Yeah. But at the very beginning of the project, as we were like kind of figuring out our branding and our launch, he was like, you know, set out some goals, like put some goals out there. Like what are your North star? Because if you always have like that, the goals that kind of like act as your North star, they'll help mm -hmm. you stay on track. Like with yeah. what it is aesthetically or brand wise or culture wise, like have your North stars. And so I was like, gosh, David, if we are ever photographed, or like at all in vogue, like to me, again, wanting to be like very true to the cowboy boots, silhouette, but like wanting to be fashion, yeah. like that felt like a North star. And I was like, that'll, I mean, gosh, I can just turn the reins over. Like then we're done, you know? Yeah. And when it happened, it was like really cool. I will say, we've said this before, but like, I really, really, really 
really feel convicted to kind of like slow down and really celebrate those things. It's been such a ride and it's moving so fast and where that's really exciting. And I mean, you have to have the growth and we've evolved so much since we opened and are continuing to evolve. I really want to celebrate those wins because they're huge and they happen and you don't realize too that that's like what you've been working so hard for and you're already on to the next thing. And I don't always think that that's like being the best like steward of the gifts that come your way and the people that help you get there. So one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to be really, really serious about kind of whatever milestone we hit, you know, whether it's sales or a cool like publication or like a new hire that we're excited about or a great new boot that we're thrilled to like roll out. I want to like start being asked to be on an amazing podcast. Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you guys. I do think that's really important and to celebrate the small wins along with the big wins because it is a big, long journey and you don't want to take anything for granted because so many amazing things do fly by and you want yes. to soak those things in. So I might agree and with you. Like, That'll be... this is, it's about the journey, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. If you're enjoying the journey and celebrating the journey, like then what's the point? Because yeah. like, I don't, who knows what the end game is, right? Yeah. Or if there is one. So, well, tell us, I know that you guys obviously have two locations right now, one in Highland Park Village where, I mean, everybody wants to be in Highland Park Village. So tell us about that storefront And did you guys have any hiccups along the way opening it? Or was it all smooth sailing? Tell me a little bit about that. So I will say our store in uh, Highland Park is 490 square feet. Oh my gosh. About the size of two dining tables. But uh, (laughs) it's a really special spot and we love it. And it allows us an amazing entree into the village and our incredible clients, again, love the village. It's a beautiful place. And um, our team, we have a ton of fun in there. We sling boots and try to pour ranch waters and make people feel special and try to get yeah. them in a product. But it's tiny. It's tiny, but it's I've seen it and it's such a cute space. And I know we touched on this earlier, but the cowboy boot industry did feel so male dominated and you guys just completely disrupted it with these high fashion, elaborate and functional designs. Take us through that customization process of the cowboy boots. Sure. So we, you know, technically we offer two levels of customization. So obviously you can come into the, you know, store by your size and leave that day and wear them out and enjoy them. Or if you'd like to kind of make them your own, you can add your initials or a date of meaning or something like that to the ear pulls, yeah. which are the little loopties that you put your fingers through to pull them on. Yeah. I've seen that for a few bridal um, wedding gifts and things like that of the girls putting their initials. And I think that's super special. It's really cool. We can do initials or a date or some emojis, like a cute, yeah. our, little, our little jumping lazy star, Lizzie talked about earlier, <laughs> or parts or that kind of thing. And then we also have developed a program through which you can take a handwritten note and have that transcribed on the leather and sewn into the liner. Oh my uh, gosh, that is so, so special. And you know, then every time you pull your boots on, you can read your note. And if it's to yourself or if it's from a loved one or something, that's a fun little way to, to make your kind of your boots your own. Or if you come in our store and you don't see anything you necessarily love or say, of course, we hope you love it, but you maybe want it in a different color or something like yeah. that, we can build you a fully custom pair as well. So that's kind of, that's our approach to customization, which is fun because it, you know, it really allows us to get to know our customers, get to yeah. understand their aesthetics. We try to make it really high touch and high feel and collaborative so that folks have a good time and a lot of ownership over what they make. And it's a special part of the program for us. Yeah, I think I previously mentioned that I I worked at Nardos Design and you know, she is a couture designer based in Dallas and also in New York City and she creates so many custom gowns that are gorgeous and one of the most exciting parts is when clients would come in and you'd pull out all those different fabrications and colors and see the clients' faces like light up like oh my god, I can't believe I'm about to create this piece of art myself. 
So you guys being able to give that to your clients is so special and so different than so many other brands that are out there. But having a brick and mortar is super tough. And I'm sure you guys completely understand this. But usually experience is one of the most important features with a luxury brick and mortar. How do you guys with your new store in Aspen kind of keep that experience top notch and create a comfortable atmosphere for your clients? Hospitality is wildly important to us, you know, West Texans that we are. And our team in Aspen is amazing. And they've done a great job of, of really making, you know, they've done a great job of implementing that into the store here. But our hope is that even if you really hate cowboy boots and are having a bad day that you can come in and be welcomed and made to feel comfortable and have have at least a nice experience. So we try to focus first on how we make people feel. Well, if you guys that are listening are thinking of investing in cowboy boots, now is the time to do so because they were everywhere this spring and summer uh, for in the runway shows and especially on Ralph Lauren's collection. I was like so excited to see them on the high fashion runway shows. So just I know you guys touched on staying on trend. And I didn't know if you guys were the sole designers of the boots or I know you mentioned Caroline. Is there any other... Do you have a design team in New York or who kind of spearheads that? So Caroline is in New York and she really kind of spearheads it. And then Sarah, I mean, as far as like patterning and kind of putting... Like making our ideas and the inspiration we feed her and thoughts we have kind of come to life. And then Sarah and I really kind of like tweak everything. We color the boots and like kind of think about it's fun like it's it's influenced by like our travel we were in Egypt last January for Sarah's 30th birthday and and have some like fun stuff coming out that was kind of influenced by that trip or it's architecture or again it's like the flora and fauna of like places we love um so it's just all kind of like whatever kind of speaks to us and even throughout COVID we developed this it's kind of one of our best sellers now but it's called the Kirsten boot it's this bright yellow kind of daffodil that's like popping out of what looks like kind of cracks and cement almost is what was the inspiration behind it. And to us, it was all about kind of like hope and rebirth. And um, when things felt heavy, kind of like life, like resuming and, and being yeah. better you know, than it was. And so it's just a lot of it's influenced by kind of like personally where we're on our lives and then things that strike us. And I don't know, it's amazing when you have a margarita sometimes walking around, like what might pop out. <laughs> well, I think I want to come to y'all's next birthday parties because it seems like a lot of fun things happen oh, on come. those we days. We would love that. We would so, love that. Yeah. The next time y'all are having champagne, we're all in Dallas. Just give me a call. Okay. Yes. We would love that. Please do. That would be so much fun to get together. <laughs> yeah, of course. And before this recording, I actually went on TikTok and I was like, I want to see how many views the hashtag cowboy boots is getting just because TikTok is the new social media platform that everybody's obsessed with right now. And the hashtag cowboy boot has over 645 million views. I think that should just, you know, show how many Gen Z and millennials and everybody that's obsessed with cowboy boots right now. And I think you guys have just really found such an incredible niche and created an awesome opportunity out of it. Your name, Mirren Crosby, is super unique. And I would love to know the backstory and how you guys came upon it. So Mirren is a play on our great-grandfather's name. He was like a really dynamic person with just a ton of swagger and like really kind of instrumental in the life of my father. And we just heard some really neat stories about him. So we've always kind of been, we loved that idea. It's kind of a play on like heritage and family and all the things it is Mirren Crosby. And then Crosby is a pasture on our cattle ranch. Um, in West Texas, one of the pastors on our ranch. And it's also a street in New York. And Sarah and I loved the kind of like the synergy of like New York meets the ranch. So how special that y'all were able to 
take those two different, completely different places. I mean, West Texas and New York City and kind of patch those things. I don't know if I could put that together myself. Did y'all have like a drawing board? How did that happen? Did it, do, do you just both know that's always what you wanted to name it or? No, naming it was tricky, but we enlisted the help of, of some great friends and we got there eventually. Honestly, it's one of the hardest parts. We had really? some crazy names, like the, rendi- like the renditions of names took some time. Yeah. But we love where it ended up and like the, our, our brand or the symbol now, the brand, yeah. um, like it has the big M and then the little C. So the big M is kind of indicative of like the Fort Davis mountains where we grew up, the Davis mountain yeah. region. And then the little C is what we brand on our cattle. It's the crescent moon. So it all kind of like plays together, which is really fun. That is incredible that y'all, I mean, your branding, whoever did it, goodness, they're incredible. I don't know if it was just you two or if y'all had a team behind you helping you, but no, the had, branding. They're, they're actually Dallas-based Ashler Projects and they're fantastic and become good friends of ours. So yeah. really, really creative and super helpful. And they kind of got the vision. Well, your them. branding is very different, but also it's very memorable. Like I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about your little crescent moons and things like that. So I think it's really special when a consumer you know, knows what you're talking about right off the bat. But I know that you both are sisters and you're both in business together. I have two sisters of my own. I can't even imagine it. I have to tell you, I love them to death. But how do you two make it work and, uh, you know, keep pushing forward and, and create such a successful company together? You're sweet to say that. And sisters are, it's the best. <laughs> We're definitely normal siblings. We, we can get off there occasionally. Yeah. You know, Lizzie and I are eight years apart in age. And I think we've always been really close much of that I credit to Lizzie wholeheartedly because she's the older sister, right? Like I worshiped her, but I was eight and she was 16. That's a huge difference, but yeah. less difference between 20 and 28 and much less difference between, you know, 30 and 38, whatever. And so as we've gotten older, we've gotten closer, but I think, you know, we've really good communication. We have an agreement. We made an agreement early on that if this ever got too big for our relationship, that we would walk away. And I think that's always kind of in the back of our minds. That the other, you know, I think secret is we really sort of have a lot of autonomy over what it is that we love to do and have kind of separated the business that way. And so while we're super collaborative and talk about everything, I know that like, if I don't need to manage it, Lizzie's got it. And and likewise, I think we respect each other a lot in that way too. And that's, that's well, and thankfully, like our skills and our interests kind of like delineate nicely to what Sarah's saying. Like, I don't really love the like details of the production at all. Yeah. And that's kind of like her kind of sweet spot. I really like kind of the idea of like kind of major, like thinking about collaborations or kind of the bigger picture things that, yeah. that I think sometimes like overwhelms her a little bit, although she's really good at it. But Sarah's the one that kind of like puts the wheels in motion. So I literally don't know how to log in our bank account. Like I have no <laughs> idea about the finance part. You start talking numbers and I get cross-eyed. So that's also a huge part of our business. Lizzie really runs our the business end of our business, which is great. Well, and then like I hate reading all the contracts, and so Sarah does that. Like, <laughs> and you know, there she goes kind of with like, her law degree. Yeah, Sarah goes with a law degree, exactly. Yeah, I, I do think that communication is really important, and we talk a lot, and we talk really consistently. Yeah, I th- I think that the boundaries you guys have drawn with each other, and also just uh, like you said, I think it's so great that you that you said you know if this thing ever gets too big for our relationship, we're going to pick each other, and I think that is important when you're. When you're working with family, it's going to be family over, you know, your business. But you guys have created such a successful, incredible brand. You have two locations now. What is next for Mir and Crosby? Well, big question. No, it is. It is a big question, but there's lots. So I I think, you know, because we're domestically produced and handmade, and we're so grateful, like the demand being what it's been, we've had a really hard time stocking sufficient inventory. 
Yeah. So we're really kind of like focused on our production and understanding like how we might be able to get to a place to really sustain possibly like, like for example, our, our web and our online does really, really well, but we don't think it's been given kind of a great chance just because we've hoarded inventory for the brick and mortars yeah. um, and needed that for our customers. And so we'd like to get to a place where we have like enough inventory to really kind of like sustain um, a healthy online business and um, as well as like great inventory in both stores. And then when we get yeah. there, we'd love to, I think, play with the idea of what another location for another store might look like. I think too, one of our kind of goals for the year is to really work on our foundation. And our foundation is obviously our team. We have the most amazing team of people, mostly women with whom we work. And so I think we're really focused on growing you know, them and enabling enabling them and, and making kind of our team as strong and dynamic as it can be. So that's exciting as well. Yeah, Sarah's right. And like, you know, it's a startup and entrepreneurial kind of like place to work. It's been fantastic. But trying to put systems in place so we can sustain really great growth is kind of like a focus as well. Well, just regarding the boots in general, do you guys have a favorite boot that maybe that we haven't mentioned already? I know I have a favorite boot, the Kate boot, the Kate boot with the python and it has light blue. Like I can't stop staring at it. That's my favorite. But do you guys have one? It's a good one. Gosh, it's Sarah laughs. And she says it's like having like picking a favorite child and she's kind of right. And um, it like makes me nervous to answer this question. Is that funny? Really? So I'll tell you, like, and, and I think like, I think it changes from time to time for me. Like, listen, the Margaret is always going to be like one of my favorites. It's just, it's kind of mine like too. Our, I agree. It's I kind agree. of our hero boot. But that said, like, I think that Kirsten's my favorite right now. Like, I just, I love the bright yellow daffodil. I think it's so much fun for spring, but I think it's really versatile. I also love kind of like the story behind it. And I think it's really like sexy on your leg. So yeah. it's kind of a win-win in all buckets for me. Boo, what, what do you like? I'm kind of crushing on um, our Elaine boot right now. We make it in navy and mixed metallic. So like a rose gold, a gold, and a, and a gunmetal. And then we also do it in red with pink and white. And I really love the red right now. Maybe I'm a little Valentine's-y, but <laughs> there's something about a red cowboy boot. It's kind of quintessential. I agree. A red cowboy boot, it's just, I mean, it'll catch the eye right off the bat. So I think both of those are amazing picks. To close, you guys, and I'll let you both answer, what advice can you share with entrepreneurs trying to break into the creative industry? Like I said, you know, well, you both worked at, uh, or Lizzie, you worked at Goldman's, Sarah, you worked in fashion and then went to law school. It can be really scary to make a jump from those industries to something creative and unknown. And I just didn't know if you guys had any advice that you would like to share with those thinking about doing that. I think mine is maybe get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I mean that in like, there's magic in learning the stuff you don't know. There's magic in admitting what you don't know and trying to figure it out. But I think that that's that like, you can't grow until you're a little nervous and uncomfortable. Get there, challenge yourself. You'll learn a ton. And it's going to be really interesting. Just decide that it's an opportunity and not a challenge and get uncomfortable. I kind of think. I love that. What's yours? I think um, I completely agree with Sarah's I'm a little more kind of like fluffy perspective. <laughs> I also think that like, I think the world's kind of thirsty and it sounds cheesy, but I mean it for like really authentic art that like and color and thoughtfulness and I don't know, expression in a way that maybe we haven't been before. And I think like, I'd rather invest like in a piece of art than I would, I don't know, Sarah, like a great meal or something. Yeah. To your point, like I, I think that like really kind of like embracing your expression and recognizing why it's authentic and yeah. making sure that you relay that to other people 
and will help you be successful. I think, you know, the cowboy boot sounds so random. Certainly my husband was like appalled the first time I brought it up to him. So, and he's, you know, the cowboy boot sounds random. And I think like a fashion forward cowboy boot really sounded random to people. I mean, you should have seen some of the looks we got when we like kind of pitched this idea to people. But the more that they kind of like thought about the story and thought about like the expression and thought about like the design and stuff. And the more that Sarah and I were able to articulate that, but also then kind of really bring that to fruition, people buy it. So I say like, be authentic, embrace your expression and like, and have a great story around it that you like believe in. I love those two pieces of advice. And I have absolutely loved learning about Miran Crosby and meeting with you guys. I cannot wait to see what's in store for y'all in the future. And I'm sure I'm going to hear about a lot of different locations opening up soon from you guys. Thank you so much for sharing your story on vitamin F. And uh, we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Awesome. Catherine, Thanks you're, so much, Catherine. you're a doll. Thank you. 